Welcome to The Network, our attempt at creating a modern podcast version of the Negro Motorist Green Book. If you don't know anything about the Green Book, I invite you to Google it. With each interview, we are building a network of talented professionals that you can reach out and touch. Every episode is an invaluable resource for black people living in and traveling through America. Subscribe to The Network. You may need it. Tonight's guest is owner of Dig Deep Fitness and professional bodybuilder Terrell Robinson, also known to me as Dig. Welcome, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you, man. It's a pleasure having me, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. So, to get started, tell us a little bit about yourself, starting with where we can find you on social media. Uh, you can go to Instagram. I'm under Dig Deep Fitness LLC. Um, I have the LLC behind my name because there are some other Dig Deep Fitness out there that doesn't compare, but they out there. So um, I have the LLC behind my name. On uh, Facebook, you can do Terrell Robertson, or I have a Dig Deep Fitness LLC. And if you go into groups, I do a uh, Dig Deep Fitness LLC group. Uh, you can request a login on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do live 30-minute uh, boot camp, body weight, at 5 o'clock. So you can request uh, to join into the group and get that work in. Okay, okay. So y'all make sure you go out there and find it. Dig Deep Fitness LLC. You said Tuesdays and Thursdays, Facebook Live at 5 p.m.? Correct. It's a, it's a group. You got to go in the groups and um, type in DD Fitness LLC group and you'll see it pop up and request the invite. Okay. All right. Request the invite. Get that work in with my man Dig right here. All right. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. I noticed in the questionnaire that you were born in Compton, California. Yes. Uh, Dominguez Hills right outside of Compton. Uh, my family grew up down my dad's is still out there. Um, then my mom brought me here at the age of two, and I started school out here away from my dad's side of the family. It's ironic, man. Um, in competing, I actually met my brother for the first time in 2017 uh, due to a competition that I had in California. Uh, and I met my niece and my brother. We linked up through Instagram. My niece found me. And I did the show. She came out and supported me. I went to lunch with my brother. It was just like looking at myself in the mirror. You know, it's wow. crazy. Wow. Wow. That's so what's up. So when you say competition, you're talking about a bodybuilding competition? Bodybuilding competition, correct. Okay. Is your brother also into bodybuilding? No. Um, actually, like I said, I really didn't even know I had a brother until then. Um and when she hit me up on Instagram, she was like, you know, through a friend, I found out that you're my uncle. And I said, we chatting. So when she actually, even though she seen my social media page, when she actually laid eyes on me coming out the hotel, she thought she saw a ghost. And I'm like, what's wrong? She said, you look just like my daddy. I'm like, come on, man, it ain't that serious. And then uh, when I went to dinner with him, uh, yeah, it was like, wow, almost looking at myself in the mirror besides my facial hair. So uh, we've been keeping in touch. I haven't had the opportunity to get back out there like I want due to this covert situation. But uh, we keep in touch, phone calls every now and then, just checking on one another. Okay, okay, that's good. So born in, in Compton, California, but you grew up in Louisiana. So tell me what it was like. Tell me what it was like growing up in Louisiana. What was your childhood like? Wow. Um, I'm the youngest of five boys. Uh, childhood, when they say you have to work for everything, I really did. Uh, when my mom was married, she had four kids, and then they separated, and then here come me. So I was the only child from a different dad. And... She wasn't working as much when she had me, so I had to kind of grind if I wanted to be able to 
look nice, dress nice, uh, quit getting hand-me-downs every year, you know, so I, I can look at least some type of presentable when I'm going up against these kids at school. Not really going up against them, but going to school. I want to look some type of presentable. So I was blessed to kind of do some summer jobs and actually a white man caught me in the seventh grade and was like, you want to work? And I ain't think nothing of it. I'm like, yeah, I'm a hustler. So uh, actually working for him taught me a trait of, of carpentry. And we did a lot of carpentry work. And when I became a senior in high school, I graduated and wanted to come to Southern, but didn't have the means to live off campus. So, I, and I wasn't going to ride the bus from Ascension Prairie to Southern. So he actually co-signed for my first car. Uh, he took somebody that's outside of my family of a different race to believe in me. He seen what I had. He believed in me, took a chance with me. And that's how I ended up going to Southern um, because he purchased my car. Well, okay. co-signed for it. I paid it. I paid for it, but he co-signed. Okay. Okay, man. That's, that's what's up. That's what's up. So one of the things that you mentioned was always having to wake up and face an uphill battle. So talk about those uphill battles that you had to face from then and how they helped to get you to where you are now. Man, uphill battle. A lot of times I've woke, I've woken up with no power, went to sleep with no power. Um, as a youth, um, having to cook outside um, on federal uh, assistance, it it, it, it it built character because all my life only worked hard because I did not want to go back to how I grew up. I wanted to have my own means. I wanted to be comfortable. And um, that's all I had blinders on. That's all I seen. I didn't really have a father figure to guide me to say, hey, you need this, what you need to do to be a man, X, Y, and Z. Um I didn't have nobody to say, hey, this the career you want to go into. I just kind of winged it. I knew I wanted to go to college. Uh, when I got to college, me working with the white man outside, doing carpentry work in the hot sun 24-7, I was like, man, I need an inside job. So um, yeah. his wife was doing human resources. And I'm like, I'd do something like that. But when I got to Southern, Southern didn't really have a human resource program. So I went into business management just to see where, where it took me. Uh, while at Southern, I sold cars. Everything was just a grind. Like, I didn't have a, a backup plan because knowing people, most people have a backup plan or their parents, you know. Um, somebody, they're going to be able to have their support them financially. And that I didn't have, and I knew I didn't have it. So every move I made was like a chess move in life. You know what I'm saying? Because I knew the wrong move uh, could put me right back where I started. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about the experience that shaped you was losing everything in this flood in 2016 while homeless, and you still managed to turn pro in bodybuilding. So I, I, I want to get into your bodybuilding career and, and how that blossomed. But, man, talk about – there's a picture on social media of you carrying a woman during the floods in 2016. And, and if you see that picture, you're like, man, this guy is a hero. But nobody who doesn't know you would never know that you lost everything in 2016. So before we talk about your bodybuilding – Man, talk about that experience in, in 2016. Man, I um I had just come off of winning a show in Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, the following week, we had bad weather, so we got off of work. Power went out. So since the power was out, I wanted to go and take a shower. So I went to the gym. And when I walked outside my door, the water was up to the road. But I'm thinking, man, you know, it just at the road. You know, it is what it is. So um, this was on a Saturday morning. Um, I went to the gym, took a shower, went and grabbed me something to eat. Within an hour and a half, every 
entrance to my house was blocked off. It was flooded. So when I got to one entrance, a lot of cars was lined up on the side of the road. I couldn't get to my house where I had my dog in my house, and I wasn't going to leave my dog. So I put my truck in four-wheel drive and drove to the water. And just an hour and a half, it was from the road to my door threshold. I'm like, wow. So uh, I grabbed my dog and my computer, and I didn't think about grabbing no clothes because it was steady rising, so I just wanted to get out. And I got my dog, went out, and a friend of mine, he's like a brother I, I do bodybuilding with, he so happened had a hotel room because his girlfriend, now wife, had flew in town, and um, he had booked the room. So during the flood, all the rates had went up. But because he had pre-booked it, not knowing that flow was going to happen, he still had his room. So I ended up going to his hotel room because my house was flooding. And I brought my dog to a friend of mine's house who it was her, her mom, and her two daughters was there. And I'm like, damn, y'all dry over here and yet water going to my house. By 4 o'clock that morning, Sunday morning, she calls me up and says that she can't get out of her house. She's flooded. So I get up and drive, and I parks my vehicle, and I, I walks in the water, and the white guy pulled up with a boat. He had a boat. He was like, man, um, you need some help? So I told him my situation. I jumped in the truck with him, didn't even know him. We launched this boat out. We went and got my dog, the family, and we brought them to safety. When they got to safety, I told them to take my truck, just go to safety. Now that y'all safe, I'm going to see who I can help out here. And the white guy, he had a boat, but he also had a canoe. So I used the canoe, and I walked around, and I seen women with bags of clothes and trying to hold their baby. So I told them to get into the canoe, and I pushed them. So a white guy and his wife said, saw me with the canoe and said, hey, there's an old lady that need to get out. Can you help them? I was like, sure, let's do it. Now, mind you, I'm not a swimmer. I can't swim. But at that time, water was up to my waist and chest, and I didn't even think about me not being able to swim as as good, you know. I just was – adrenaline was pumping, and I was um, out there helping people. So we got to the lady's house, and she wasn't ready to go. So we went, helped some other people to safety, and as we got back to her house, she was like 90 years old, and her granddaughter and great-grandson was with them. He was like one or two. So as we get her to the boat, she's trying to get in. And as you know, canoe, it, it has no balance. So it was tipping over on us. So I told her, I said, ma'am, just hold on to my neck. I got you. And I just lift her up and put her in the canoe. And as I was doing that, somebody was out taking pictures. I didn't know nobody took a picture until somebody tagged me on Facebook with it. Um, I wasn't out there for to say, hey, look what I'm doing. I was out there because I know that, hey, there's a lot of people that's out there need help. And I, I'm a young man with a lot of energy. I, you know what I'm saying? I was strong and I can assist. So I just was there to assist in any way possible. Now, during that time, we were dealing with racial issues because a month prior to that, Alton Sterling had got killed by some white police officers. Mm-hmm. So... Black and white was divided in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. But that day, um, there was no color. There was no color. But mind you, I had lost everything Friday night. Everything of mine was gone. The clothes that I had on, I had went to Target that night, waited in line for two hours to buy some clothes. And I took those same clothes, and I was out there rescuing people with the clothes that I just brought, because that's all I had. Didn't care. Um, I stayed out there for probably about six hours and around 12 o'clock, the water was rising to the point where I couldn't walk in it anymore. And uh, I just got up from there, but I was able to save quite a many families. And some people that knew me, they walked up to me like, man, every time I come back with one person, I'm trying to help one person. I see you pulling the boat. You got two or three persons. You holding one, you're pulling the boat down. You are truly an animal. I said, man, I'm just out here trying to do what I can to help these people get to safety because um, you had some people who had motorboats 
and they were going out to to see if somebody was there who may not been there when they got there, but they were passing up people they could help just to get to this certain person. And we were just out there getting anybody that we can go. So um, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. It was depressing. It was it was a little disappointing that I didn't get the initial response from people I thought should have been there instantly for me because they know I was, I was there for them in the past. And it molded me. It molded me to know that, hey, you got to realize you cannot expect um, you out of somebody else. You are an individual. You are a certain way. A lot of people aren't like you. And, and, and you can't expect them just because how you will do something for them, they'll do something for you. I needed to get away, so I, I, I since the, I had paid for the trip to go compete nationally in Pittsburgh, um, I just wanted to get away. And during that week of me getting ready for the trip, I was laying on somebody's floor, and it just seemed like I over. they invited me over, but it felt as if I overstayed my welcome. And I'm like, you know, two weeks after losing everything, um, having him gutted my house out, and you asked me how long it's going to be before I get back in my house. And so, you know, um, I just told him, hold on till after I come back from this uh, competition and I'll be gone. It's, it's tough sometimes, and I can see why depression hit a lot of people certain different ways, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it takes a, a, a special type of person to kind of hold depression and stress off because that is a solemn killer. You know, uh, doctor was wanting to put me on mild, uh, high blood pressure medicine. I'm like, man, I'm healthy. I'm this and that. But I just couldn't control the stress. Yeah. Just couldn't control the stress. So, uh, So let me ask you this. One of the things that I am huge on personally is wellness, especially mental health. So I'm, my degrees are in psychology. So this is one of the things that I studied. So what are some of the things that you have done? Because the the story that you just told us, it, if people don't realize those floods in 2016 were devastating. They were catastrophic. You lost everything. And right. then you also mentioned about the death of Alton Sterling, mm-hmm. which is another psychological battle that we have to fight as black men. So Correct. Losing everything in the flood is coming up after that. The people who you expected to have your back didn't necessarily have your back the way you thought they did. The stress of the job. Um, now we're talking about coronavirus because you, you stepped away from the job to run your business. You're a small business owner. COVID-19 has wreaked havoc on everything. So that's a lot of stress. So my question for you is, how are you managing it? What What are some strategies that you're using? What are some things that you're doing to help stay fit mentally? Because obviously you're you're fit physically. So what are you doing to stay fit mentally? Um, I sometimes I work to um, physically exhaust myself. Um, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. I, I I I try to put my issues into um, my training. And now that that's limited because people looking at me stupid because I say I'm not going into a gym right now, especially ones that don't want to wear a mask in the gym or this and that. And what they fail to realize is I have one income. That's my training. If I get sick, out for two weeks, can't be around nobody, I'm done, basically. You know what I'm saying? Two weeks can really really take me out financially, uh, where those people may have another job and doing training part-time, and they got sick leave, or they're married, and their spouse has an income. I don't have those um, at my disposal. So. I had to think outside of the box, really. Uh, and I I purchased some equipment, and there's some stuff around the house where under my garage and patio. 
I have a little gym and I train people one at day, one at a time, 30 minute sessions. Uh, I, I, I wear a mask so they don't have to. We're outside. So I got these fans blowing. I train them. Then I wipe everything down before the next person come. It's kind of strange inviting people to your home to train, but what you can do, you know, uh, a lot of people know that I'm good at what I do, so they they try me out, but I want to have the equipment here that is not like, hey, I'm a makeshift trainer or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shade tree trainer, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I want to have the equipment, so when they walk in here and say, okay, well, we got some legit stuff here where we can get a good workout in. You know, um, as far as stress-wise, man, honestly, uh, I has I had some points where I just kind of ain't had no more fighting. You know, um, it took a toll on my body, and I just didn't have no more fight. Like, no matter what I did, it seemed like it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, only thing I can say is, Keep waking up, and every day you get an opportunity to wake up, you keep fighting. Man, because I love you, and I know what type of brother you are. I know that I'm a, I'm a, we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about some things after this. So, because you, you, you are a good brother. So, let's talk about bodybuilding. What possessed you to go into bodybuilding? Because I've seen you work out, I've seen the videos, you know, I've seen you pumping the iron. Um, so let, let me ask you this. What does it take to be a professional bodybuilder? Uh, I tell people it takes a lot of heart. And what I mean by that is, um, when you have the heart to do something, to have a why, you got to do it because it's going to put you in some uncomfortable situations. And a lot of people don't handle uncomfortable situations where they're like, oh, man, I don't need this here. I'm done. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, for me, example, I started bodybuilding on a fluke. One of my friends was getting ready for a show, and he was like, man, you should compete. I'm like, what's that? Like, such and such bodybuilding on stage. You got the physique for it, this and that. And it's um, April 26th. And I'm like, well, damn, April 26th is my birthday. It gave me something to do. Not really understanding the whole logistics of everything. I did a lot, a lot of cardio where um, I lost some muscle mass. I was lean and ripped and shredded, but I lost muscle mass. But when I got on stage, first time I took second place and third place. And I knew if I had somebody to show me the ropes on it, I could do better. It's second. It's kind of like a step show. You're doing a step show. You come out in second. You like ah, this ain't what we came here for. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. Uh, I continued grinding and grinding and grinding. And the first year, it was just second and third, second and third, second and third. So I was like, man, this is crazy. Uh, the following year, 2015, I was doing well. Won a couple of first place shows. And then November of 2015, I went to Miami, competed in my club, like 50 people, came up in what they call last call out, when basically I just felt like I got smashed. So um, I said, you know what? I'm going to take some time and I'm going to hit the reset button. So I trained for eight months. In the process of me training for eight months, I did that show in Lafayette, like I said, then the flood hit. But my body had already been conditioned for what I was going up against. So um, I went there to Pittsburgh, and I said one thing. They got to feel where I'm coming from. They got to feel my pain. They got to feel what I left back home. Enjoying this episode so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Radio Public, or Pocket Casts. Now back to the show. So when I got on stage, man, people thought I was crying because of I was in first. I knew I had got first place, but I was crying because 
everything that I went through. And I had, that was like my third national show. So um, it took me losing everything to gain something that I couldn't gain when I had everything, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, yes. And what you said, the, the process, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of discipline, man. It, it takes um, some days getting up at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, or 5 in the morning, depending on how your day is set up, doing your cardio, and then afterwards going to the gym and doing your training with more cardio. Um, what type of cardio? Uh, for cardio, fasted cardio, I do uh, is a Stairmaster or a treadmill on an empty stomach, and it's a steady state, so... What happens is by you doing it on the empty stomach, your body looks for energy, so it pulls off your body fat. And the crazy thing about it is that I may put on this thermogenic gel to um, make you heat up, and then I got on like two layer of clothes or a sauna suit. So by the time I finish that 45 minutes to an hour, I'm drenching wet, and I'm going to burn anywhere from 600 to 900 calories. Then it's going to have to worry about like dehydration or anything? Well, the key to it is you got to drink your body weight divided by two. That's how many ounces of water you got to drink a day. But on the average person, not doing anything. But for me, I was getting a gallon to a gallon and a half a day in. Nothing less than a gallon. Mandatory. Because I knew what I was doing where for sweating and, and, and pushing that water out. And the crazy thing about it is a lot of time, depending on how you look, depends on how your diet looks. So it's not a, a strategic diet. It's based off how your body looking. Because if you're holding water or holding a little fat, a lot of times you may have to go to fish and asparagus that will lean you out. And uh, tilapia ain't the best fish, but it's a fish that will help lean you out, a white fish that will help lean you out, tilapia, cod, Mali Mai um, helps lean you out more. And asparagus, it works as like a diuretic. Uh, it's a good vegetable and it cleans you out. So, man, listen, the number of people who are going to be eating tilapia, mahi mahi, and asparagus just off hearing this, man, it's a gang of people getting ready to change their diets. It's going to be like, oh, that's going to lean me out. She let me do it. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, it's to the point where um, on some shows during peak week, peak week is the week before your show. If your show is on Saturday, the the Sunday before that is when your peak week starts. And that way, that's how your diet starts. So um, due to the fact that you're trying to look as tight as you can, on Sunday, you start drinking a lot of water. So some days you do, well... How my water drop regimen was, Sunday was two gallons. Uh, Monday was two gallons. Uh, Tuesday, two gallons. Wednesday, three gallons. Then uh, Thursday, two gallons. And then Friday, a gallon and a half. But it had to be done by 3 o'clock. After 3 o'clock, you just sip it. So now you take a diuretic over-the-counter diuretic, expel or whatever that helps making you. So now what happens is you start peeing a lot. Well, because you're peeing a lot and you're flushing that water out, due to the fact that you drunk a lot of water during that week, it's tricking your body thinking that it still has water in it, even though you're not drinking. So now you're peeing, peeing, peeing all night long in the morning of the show to tighten up more. So you want to have, you want to be almost skin tight when you get ready to get on stage. Okay. Uh, in bodybuilding terminology, it's called peeled. You peel the pieces or whatever. So um, some people use a stronger diuretic. Some people use a stronger fat burner, should I say. Uh, uh, and some people use stronger uh, supplements to make their muscles pop or, or grow cycle. They call it cycling. Um, my thing on that is... If you remember in the beginning of the conversation, I ain't had nothing. No, I ain't, I ain't nobody gave me nothing. So right. everything I had, everything I got, I had to work hard for. Now, I ain't going to say it's cheating, but I'm not going to put my body at risk 
just to achieve something for somebody else's opinion. So I, they look at me crazy saying, man, you, how are you going naturally against these guys? It's a, you, you taking a knife to a gunfight. Well, a lot of times, depending on how you use that knife, you know, you giving them guns, gun people with guns a, a, a battle, a run for their money, you know. And that's what I like. I can, I can walk away appreciative. Win, lose, or draw, I can walk on stage knowing that, hey, I did what I did. I trained how I trained. I looked it good. Um, I just came up short. I came up short. I didn't do what a lot of people did to make it to that point. But my risk level was lower than theirs. You know, uh, so you got to look at your risk level, how, how bad you want it, what you willing to risk. You know, I'm, I'm 43 years old. I ain't never did it now. Ain't no sense of me trying to do it at 43 to try to compete against these youngsters. You know, now um, I like how my body look. I've achieved my goal as a pro card. I wanted to make it to Olympia, but, um, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to continue training. I'm going to continue competing because once I'm locked in onto a show, it keeps my mind off of everything else. You know, um, that's my my why, my go-to. You know, achieving things that I haven't had the opportunity to achieve before, you know? Yeah. So working out is therapeutic for you. That's a, that's yeah. a form of therapy for you. Yeah, that is a form of therapy because, you know, like I say, um, I don't have that person rubbing my back and telling me, hey, it's going to be all right, baby. You can do this here, you know. If I ain't, if I ain't mentally strong enough to, to do it, tell myself, you know, uh, it's going to break down. A person asks me a question, say, man, how can you motivate others when a lot of times you need motivation? And I say, man, that's a good question. Uh, but as, as, as the business owner and as a motivator I can't let I can't let what I'm going through in life stop me from doing my job so I have to find a way to channel that energy of what I'm going through you know my clients will never know I'm hurting unless they unless I tell them you kind of see what I'm saying mm-hmm. um, but I'm here to I think uh, as a trainer as, as a as a life coach or uh it helps somebody make better decisions health-wise is more like a uh, a leader. You know, somebody can take somebody with no will, no desire, unmotivated, and show them some changes in their body, and then all of a sudden they're motivated and, and they're hungry for it now. You know, uh, when you tell them to do something, they they doing that and then some more because they like their changes that they're coming from. And what's scary is a lot of people don't realize that you have to invest in yourself. You know, uh, we fight, we fight on paying the trainer, we fight on eating healthy, but we'll go three hundred dollars for VIP in the club, or we'll buy a bottle, or we'll, you know what I'm saying, that will not uh, make us more healthier. And then if this COVID situation doesn't wake you up to make you make life-changing decisions and invest more into your body, into your health. Um, nothing will. Well said. Well said. You know, and, and, and like I say, everybody have, have their own type of diet or their own type of eating regimen, you know, uh, which I don't challenge anybody's opinion but it all depends on how you live in your life and what you're doing in your life. You know, um, a lot of people need more than others, you know? Yeah. So I sit down and I try to listen to them and everything I teach people is, is moderation. You know, um, if you choose to eat meat, if you don't choose to eat meat, if you choose to, um, have some dairy, you choose not to have some dairy, you know, um, it's all about moderation and what works well with you. You know, you may like dairy, but your body may not process it quick enough. You yeah. know, certain meats, you may like it, but your body may not process it. So we have to understand what's worked well with your body. And that's the same thing with carbs. You know, uh, people don't eat a lot of complex carbs. They eat a lot of processed carbs. And 
that affects how their body breaks down a lot of stuff. So, um, and then people tell me, hey, I want to lose weight. But if I ask them how many carbs are there um, eating a day or what their protein to carb ratio is, they couldn't tell me. Um, I can't look at you and tell you, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z if I don't know what you're doing already. You know, um, so what I do with them, it works it, it works for probably, I have a 90% ratio with my clients in doing this. I, I do Evercare. Uh, I think J, my line brother, uh, Hubert Ashley, JR, he, he sells it as well. But I sell it to my clients, and they have a 24-day jump start. And what happens is in 24 days, you have an opportunity to lose anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. Just um, vitamins, protein shake, fiber, and eating based off your um, the eating list that they give you. And how they do it is they tell you either carb or protein in the vegetable, and they give you a list of carbs that you can have. They give you a list of proteins you can have in the amount. People that stay consistent with it, they lose weight. Once they do that in 24 days, then it's a, they have their foundation to go wherever they want to do in their fitness realm. But if you can't commit to 24 days, then you're not uh, mentally ready for the challenge. Because working out is only 20% of your results. Say, say that one more time. Working out is only 20% of your results. Um, it's, it's, your, it's your eating. It's the other 80. And that's why I tell people, I, I train some people and, and their, their results are slow. And I'm like, what's your diet doing? Oh, man, I messed up. They think when they say they slip, it's, it's funny, you know. But, hey, that's really derailing your progress. One cheat meal or one bad meal can set you back two weeks. Yeah. Depending on your body style. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, if they invest $200 into this 24-day jump start and you decide to cheat on your diet, you lost $200. Oh, man. So, you know what I'm saying? So now when you want to cheat, you got to look at yourself. Man, I got $200 invested in this shit. I'm going to ride it out. You kind of see what I'm saying? So now you're not worrying about if I'm going to catch you. You depend on yourself. If you're yeah. balling and you want to waste your money, go ahead, right over here. Yeah. So one cheat meal can set you back two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Depending on your body style, it's at least one to two weeks. It will set you back. Because I've heard a whole lot of people's feelings right now. Maybe including mine, but I'm I'm not going to say. But you got to understand that um, a lot of people's body breaks down stuff differently. Mm-hmm. And it took them a while. It takes them a while to get to where they're at. And when they eat their cheat meal, you got to look at what's in there. You got the processed food that's hard to break down. You got the sodium in there that's making your body retain fluid. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so, because they're not cooking like you cook at home. So then you know, turn up with the, whatever you're drinking to wash it down with. Yeah. And I say two weeks minimum because a cheap meal may make my body look sexy as hell because the way I train. But a lot of people don't wake up and train like I train. Yeah. So you won't have the same effect. So people look at me like, man, how you have a six pack, this and that, and you eating pancakes for breakfast. And, you know, I, I know what my body does. I learn my body. I understand my body. Mm-hmm. And I know what my body can accept. When you see pancakes, you don't understand that's 50 grams of carbs. It's not 60, it's not 70, it's not 30, that's 50 grams of carbs. And if I'm only doing 130 grams of carbs that day, I'm, as long as I don't go over that 130 grams of carbs, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Man, that, that, that is good information. So I had a couple of questions on here about what do you eat, how many calories. But brother, you just gave us a ton of good information. Let me ask you this. So if we go into the weight room or we go to work out and you get under the bench, what's your max? How much can you push up? Well, that's a crazy, that's a, that's a interesting question. Um, because I don't train for max mm-hmm. and 
a lot of times you got to understand what you're going into the gym for and also technique because when you go into the gym, 90% of people want to come down to their chest and then go back up because that's what you're taught, correct? Correct. Um, So just imagine having 315 and you come down to your chest to go back up and you got to put a lot of muscle, a lot of push, a lot of thrust on your shoulder joints. Mm-hmm. Because how far you go down. If you lay on the floor and you do a bench press, how far do your arms come down? 90 degrees. That's mm-hmm. the floor that floor going to let you come. Think about it. Yeah. So that's how you should do it on the bench press. They keep all the tension on your chest. You know, um, I don't do max. But I could tell you one thing. I could take 315 and give you 15. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, uh, I, could take, yeah. I could take, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So volume-wise, you know, those people that want to lift that max, they're going to give you one good rep mm-hmm. or, or struggling rep to say, hey, I got it up. But in the process of getting it up, you lose all technique. Man, Dig is not playing with you. He can give you 15. All right. You know, I think I posted a video on uh, the other day. I did 342, 345, or something like that for 10 uh, on the Smith machine, you know. Uh, and that's after doing 315 and other stuff. So it wasn't like when you see me doing 340 or 350, that's like my fourth or third or fourth set. It ain't my first set. So you got in mind, I'm already at fatigue. Yeah. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. And I'm giving it to you with technique. I'm coming down to a 90-degree angle, and I'm pushing. Because I know how long it takes for you to recover from a torn pectoral muscle or or a torn labrum. Because you want to take all that weight, and you want to bend it back. As you can see, if you can see how far my arm got to come back. Mm -hmm. And when I come up, it's all shoulder. Tearing shoulders up. Tearing shoulders up. But now if I come here and I'm at 90 degrees, it's all chest. All chest. And that's what I keep. That's how I keep my chest pumped. Uh, but the key thing to it is also is, is um, cardio plays a part into your workout because it, it conditions your body for your workout. And what I mean by that, that's why there's a difference between a bodybuilder and a power lifter. Okay. Both are strong, but both have two different body types. Two different body types. Yeah. Power Correct. lifters look like offensive linemen. Correct. And they ain't doing no cardio. None. But you see these bodybuilders shredded, walking on the treadmill, doing the stairmaster to get their separation in their muscles and condition their body. Because as you condition your body and drop that body fat, only thing you're going to do is show you lean muscle. And if you're hitting that iron right, the muscle pops out, then you get those separations, those striations in your muscles, you winning. And that's what they all look for. Okay. You know? Okay. Listen, dig in here giving y'all cheat codes now. So if you're listening, he's giving you the cheat codes. I hope you're taking notes. And then, you know, um, a lot of people, they they have something called XBEL, which is a, a over-the-counter diuretic. And what they do is, like, when they go on beaches and they look halfway decent, all they're doing is half of them taking the diuretic the week of to pull some of the water out. They're drinking a lot of water, but then they pull some of the water out, and as they get closer to the end of the, end of the week, they're cutting their water back. So now it's pulling all the water out of their body where it's not showing, you're not showing that water weight. And then when you go to the beach, they're looking kind of ripped and looking kind of good. You know what I'm saying? So it's a science to everything. Okay. It's, okay. it's a science to everything. And um, just understanding it, man. I love what I do. I love the the competitiveness. Um, my why is like, she, I'm going to take you to the limit. You won't do, you won't stick yourself in the butt? Cool. I'm going to work out three times a day to keep up with you if I got to. Yeah. So how many people, and, and that's why I can eat a cheeseburger or, or a stack of pancakes because 
I can I can tell you I work out three times a day if I have to 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 make my body look make my body do what I want to do. Um, a lot of people let their body control them. I control my body. And if you think about it, when we talk about history and we talk about our ancestors and what we fight for, our rights, because people are trying to take our rights and take this and take that. Can't nobody take how your body look. Yeah. You feel me? You control that. That's good. That's good. So you set your why and you grind it out. You grind it out no matter what at any cost. You know, um, yeah, it hurts, but failure is only temporary. They say you can't outwork a bad diet. So that's why I I don't challenge some of these trains out there, but I look at them with a smirk on my face. Why are you killing yourself? Why are you, you can eat these donuts? You can do this, you can do that. And I'm like, mm. it, it'll be more truthful if you look like a trainer, but you, you don't look, you know what I'm saying, up the part to be telling somebody that. You know, uh, a lot of people in the game for, for the get a quick dollar, but like I tell people, if I can't lead you or guide you into the right direction, it don't do me no justice at all. That's good stuff. All right, listen, we're going to flip the script just a little bit. And you kind of alluded to this already, but what keeps you up at night? Man, I say failure, bro. Uh, knowing that what I'm up against, uh, I created a lot of debt with this flood because I wasn't in the flood zone, so I didn't have flood insurance. I did not know I was going to walk away from my job. So I'm thinking I'm making pretty good money. I'll just, you know, use my checks and pay it. But when, my, when I walked away from my job to do personal training, what really hit me was people in Louisiana don't value physical fitness as if I was in another state. Yeah. So I took two hits. Lower income from my regular job in in a area where we are the most unhealthiest, but we don't value fitness. So I know too many people paying to for for a trainer, and then you have these guys that coming up that want these five dollar trainers, and they waste their time with them. Then they come to you to fix what the other people didn't do for them. The five dollar trainer had them eating eating <laughs> you know what I'm pancakes. Right. You know, so um, a lot of people look at me and say, man, you the truth. I, I'm i very humble, man. I, I, I study. I study the body, and I want to maximize it to the best benefit. And if I have a client that I'm not seeing results from, I'm going back into the books and seeing what I'm doing wrong. I'm challenging myself because if I take you on as a client, I'm taking on the chance of helping you change your life. And if I can't do that, then I'm I'm dealing with something something I'm doing wrong, you know. Even if you're even if you're slacking, even if you're slacking and knowing you're not stepping up like you're supposed to, I still take it personal on myself because that's just the type of person that I am. Integrity, correct. Integrity, that's good stuff. So let me ask you this: this segment we usually talk about. Uh, books. What are you reading right now? You said you're not reading anything right now, but you're studying for what? Um, strength and conditioning coach. Uh, I, I applied to get back into the um, federal government, but if that doesn't happen. I want to um, at least be a, a, a strength coach for a high school or, or maybe a college because I'm looking at some of these people that's in these schools and they're not teaching these kids proper technique. And these kids are hurting themselves and nobody ain't saying nothing about it. All they thinking about, oh, we're gonna get, we're gonna, we gonna clean and jerk this four five. I don't care how you get it up, just get it up. Well, if I'm not using proper technique, can I get it up the wrong way? I'm gonna pull something. And guess what? I'm not playing. That's right. I I'm the type of person I don't. I don't congratulate you even if you get it up the wrong way. That's not a congratulation Congratulation coming from me because um, you're taking the shortcut. Yeah. And, and a lot of times in life, the shortcut leads you into the wrong path. Okay. 
Good. All right, so recommended music. What are you listening to? Uh, depending on, I listen, my music works on depending on what I'm doing. Uh, majority of the times I get up here on, uh, if I'm doing my fasting cardio in the morning, I might get Pandora and put a little gospel on just to kind of keep my mind. Some of them songs hit you, let you know that, hey, don't give up, don't quit, keep fighting, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then um, if I'm lifting weights, heavy weights, I may have to get something to kind of give me a little bucking a little bit, you know what I'm saying? So I listen to a bunch of little bad New York artists just to kind of keep my beat up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got Trump uh, rattling. Yeah, the crumpness, you know. But uh, a lot of times, man, when you're getting up doing that cardio in the morning and you're looking at everything that you're up against in life, uh, if I put on Pandora where they just do a random selection, sometimes they just hit that one song that, that'll let you know, man, time to get it together. You know, don't quit now. You know, keep digging, keep fighting. Because, like I say, a lot of times you don't have nobody making that phone call checking on you. Yeah, yeah. So you got to put yourself in a situation that, hey, um, get those signs that, hey, look, don't quit now. We hear you. Remember your why. Remember why you started, you know. Um. Yeah, that's that's basically where I'm at with that. Okay. Who's your, who's your favorite artist? Favorite artist of all time. Woo! Favorite artist of all time. Man, I sit back there and I listen to Prince and that boy. He was a bad boy. Hey. Yes. Yes, sir. I agree with you on that Prince one. Was, Prince was a bad boy. I could sit down there and 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 I could even kind of work out the Prince. Okay. On that artist. And then um, probably running up to behind Prince, I, I sell a little Tupac. Okay, okay, man, Tupac. look here. <laughs> I, when 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 we done recording, I'm about to go make me a Prince and Pop playlist. <laughs> man, that's what's up. That's what I'm talking about. Like you know, you know, those those um songs, like I said, man, Pop. He's gangster fire, but he 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 has a story in his messages. And one thing that I realized about both of them, Prince, in their song is that is things that that's happening in their life, whether in a relationship, a family, or this and that. Because you know, all of us not not coming from a two parent home, right, right. You know, and um, we just. I just think think those 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 guys right there help set the mood for for whatever you're doing. Okay, okay, good stuff. All right, you listen to any podcasts? Uh sometimes I support my homegirl Latangela. The Latangela show, listen to them. And um, but I'm not really big on it. Uh I had one or two podcast um interviews in the in the past. I guess my timing, by the time I get to it, when they're playing, I'm either training a client or I'm working out because somehow my days are just running together. Yeah. And I, I don't go back and listen to the uh, old old recordings or anything. Okay. Okay. All right. So this next segment is called Rapid Fire. So I'm just going to throw five random questions at you. All right. Gotcha. So because you're a bodybuilder, uh, you, you got a little bit of the bodybuilder edition of Rapid Fire. All right? Let's go. All right, here we go. Question number one. If you had 30 minutes, three days a week, what would you focus on? Weights, cardio, or whatever? Uh, quick question. It depends on how I'm looking. If I feel that my body is not where I want to be, I'm going to focus on cardio. Okay. All right. Question number two, <laughs> do you have a favorite bodybuilder? Do I have a favorite bodybuilder? Wow. I, he's not a bodybuilder, but I respect him a lot. Um, C.T. Fletcher. Okay. And behind C.T. Fletcher, I'll say Mr. Charles Glass. He's a, he's a, he was a former bodybuilder, but he's a trainer now. I respect his training style. And hopefully one day I can get to California and train with him. Okay, okay. All right, put it in the atmosphere. Yeah. All right. Now this one is 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 a multiple choice question. 
All right, here we go. Let's see, about to test your knowledge right here. Which of these exercises would be most effective at working the brachialis muscle? Hopefully I said it right, or brachialis. Brachialis. Overhead extension, leg extension, dumbbell front raise, or reverse curl? I would say brachialis muscle here. Front raises. I'll go with the front raises. Overhead extensions. Front raises and extensions gonna hit pretty much the same muscles. So uh I'll go with the front raises. I don't know if I'm right or not. Reverse curls. The correct answer would have been reverse curl. Gotcha. Similar similar movement to a dumbbell front raise. You you know, right neighbor yeah. house, but you were close. You were close, not bad. All right, here we go. Question number four. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Man, if I could trade lives with anybody, who, man, I, I don't, I guess I never outlaws anybody to the point where I would want to trade lives with them. Um, I was taught to, to appreciate every bit of your life and what you've been going through. Yeah. Because it builds character. And um, when I say trade lives, and I know it's getting off the subject, but trading lives, I don't I don't know the inside. All I'm seeing is the outside. And yeah. if I jump in their shoes and the inside is different from the outside, I might be more miserable than I am. Yeah, you might have to jump out real quick. Yeah, real quick, you know what I'm saying? Because I just don't look at the shell. You know, I look at where it come from. Okay. So, um I, I'll probably stay in my own shoes on that one. Okay, okay, good stuff, good stuff. All right, here we go, last question. Question number five. On a scale of one to 10, how cool are you? Uh, 10 being the greatest? 10 being cool. High, cool. Cool. Um, man, since I'm a 12, I'm gonna go off scale and go up to a 12. Okay. You know? <laughs> I'm just on the 12. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. All right, all right. Man, we made it to the last segment. This last segment is called You Didn't Ask. You Didn't Ask. It's when you get the opportunity to share some unsolicited advice. Nobody asked for this, but you're going to tell them anyway. So what unsolicited advice would you like to share for this segment? Unsolicited advice. Uh Man up. What I mean by that is, uh, right now, the world, the rate of domestic violence has increased. Mm -hmm. Um, I say man up, man. Don't put your hands on the woman. Uh, You know, if you got to leave, leave. You know, know where you come from. Know your history, man. I know for protection of womanhood, a lot of people don't understand that. But, you know, um, I say man up, man. Stop stop crying. And, and people say, well, you ain't in my shoes. Well, she, if I put my shoes on, you'll jump out of them quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, I've been through a, a, enough battles in life to say that, hey, um, I may not be exactly where you at, but I'm I'm very close. It's not ahead of the race. I'm very close. So, just man up, man. We, we, let's let's protect our women. Um, we already dealing with enough with um, Black Lives Matter, and we then we have to fight because we still trying to kill ourselves, and then we want to put our hands on our black women. Man, we need to change the culture. A great message. That's a great message. That's a great unsolicited advice. You didn't ask, but there it is. There it is. Brother Terrell Robinson, professional bodybuilder, owner of owner of Dig Deep Fitness LLC. It's been a pleasure, brother. Thank oh man, I'm I'm just honored to get the opportunity to to receive that text message and that phone call inviting me to the show. Man, you're doing great things. I've been following you, brother. Uh, I seen you change your life around, and I joke with you. I was like, man, I wish I had this mic 20 years ago. 
but uh, we ain't gonna go there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, God is good, brother. God is good. Dig Deep Fitness LLC. Welcome to the network. A better you is waiting to be found. Dig Deep. Thank you once again for joining us this week on the network. Great conversation with Terrell Robertson of Dig Deep Fitness. Check the show notes if you want more information. You can find his webpage along with his Instagram and Facebook pages there. Also, be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook. We're also on Twitter, the underscore network underscore podcast on Instagram, the network with Michael Prejean on Facebook, and the network podcast C1 on Twitter. Kind of weird, I know. Then I need everybody, every single one of you, go to iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating. Definitely appreciate it. Many thanks in advance. Or simply like, share, retweet, tell a friend about the show. Every kind gesture moves us in the right direction. Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to Madison, Wisconsin. The network is extending its reach. We're going to have a conversation with Tony Duga, the principal of O'Keefe Middle School in the Madison Metropolitan School District. Until next time, peace and blessings.